Welcome to episode 76 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll talk all about how Montana's Attorney General and Montana's Governor have taken a page right out of Barack Obama's playbook. Let's join our host, Tammy Fisher. Today, we're going to talk about the attack on the judiciary in Montana. By review of recent news reports, it appears that some in government think the only way to remedy perceived failures of the judicial branch is to publicly defy lawfully issued court orders, to condemn the judicial branch to the public in blatant violation of the rules of professional conduct that monitor the legal profession, and to otherwise spread propaganda to undermine the public's faith in the judiciary. Of course, these tactics are not new. Criminals have been publicly undermining the judiciary for decades. But we are in a whole new era, folks, where elected officials and public servants are now openly defying the rule of law and the judiciary for political purposes. And that leads to a more authoritarian-ruled Montana. Marissa Wright informs us, Quote, In How Democracies Die, authors Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Zablot detail the basic tactics that accompany the rise of authoritarianism. One of the first actions would-be authoritarians take is to politicize independent institutions, especially the judiciary. Quote, it always helps to have the referees on your side, they write. Having the referees on your side is helpful, indeed crucial, when you violate the rules of the game or the rule of law, end quote. State Republican parties have also been trying to pack state courts with conservative partisans. The politicization of state courts is particularly worrisome because they hear 95% of all complaints filed, including election-related litigation. As Levitsky and Zablot point out, authoritarians must lay the groundwork for future attempts to expand power by politicizing the judiciary precisely because their efforts to consolidate power violate the rule of law and related democratic norms. Quote, in democracies, such institutions are designed to serve as neutral arbiters. For would-be authoritarians, therefore, judicial and law enforcement agencies pose both a challenge and an opportunity. If they remain independent, they might expose and punish government abuse. It is a referee's job, after all, to prevent cheating. But if these agencies are controlled by loyalists, they could serve a would-be dictator's aims, shielding the government from investigation and criminal prosecutions that could lead to its removal from power. End quote. What this means to Montana is when you politicize the judicial branch, the governor or the legislature or any other elected official like the attorney general may break the law, threaten citizens' rights, and even violate the Constitution without having to worry that such abuse will be investigated or censured. With the courts packed and law enforcement authorities brought to heel, governments, authoritarian governments, can act with impunity. And that's where we're headed, Montana. Does that seem extreme? Yeah, it sure does. And it would if it weren't true. Let's talk about all of the work that is being done by the extremist authoritarians to undermine the rule of law and the judiciary in Montana. First, it's important to understand that the judiciary is a separate branch of government in both the United States and Montana in accordance with our constitutions. The judicial branch is the last branch of government to be established in the United States. Initially, 
those who established the government of these great United States didn't see a reason for the judicial branch. The Articles of Confederation, the forerunner of the U.S. Constitution that set up the first national government after the Revolutionary War, failed to even mention judicial power or a federal court system. In Philadelphia in 1787, the members of the Constitutional Convention drafted Article 3 of the Constitution, which stated that, quote, the judicial power of the United States shall be vested in one Supreme Court and in such inferior courts as the Congress may from time to time ordain and establish. The framers of the Constitution didn't elaborate on the Supreme Court's powers in that document or specify how the judicial branch should be organized. They left that all up to Congress. So then along came Congress, the lawmaking arm of our government, and the first bill they passed that was introduced in the United States Senate became the Judiciary Act of 1789. The act set up the federal court system and set guidelines for the operation of the U.S. Supreme Court. The Judiciary Act of 1789 also established a federal district court in each state and in both Kentucky and Maine, which were then parts of other states. In between these two tiers of the judiciary were the U.S. Circuit Courts, which would serve as the principal trial courts in the federal system. The judicial branches of the U.S. government is a system of federal courts and judges that interpret laws, laws that are made by the legislative branch and enforced by the executive branch. That's the basic explanation of separation of powers. Stay out of each other's lane. You are co-equal. And when the judiciary does something folks don't like, change the law at the legislative level. Or in Montana, you can change judges at the ballot box. But whatever changes are made at the legislative level must comply with the Constitution, as it is the Constitution that is the guiding document or the supreme authority for all judicial decisions. And if it's a state issue, it's the state Constitution that guides. If it's a federal issue, it's the United States Constitution that guides. And the state Constitution can't conflict with the United States Constitution. A state constitution can grant more rights to its population, but it can't limit the rights of the state residents to less than that afforded by the U.S. Constitution. So when state laws are passed that defy the United States Constitution, the United States Constitution reigns supreme. It is the supreme law of the land. This is why you see state issues going to the United States Supreme Court for determination, because ultimately the United States Supreme Court is the final decision maker if they choose to take up the issue. This is called judicial review. And judicial review is the cause of both relief and consternation. And it should be, because that tells you the court is doing its job independent of politics and feelings. But just because a court declares a law unconstitutional or void doesn't mean the only option is for us to overthrow the government. You see, the framers of both the national and state constitutions understood that the judicial branch is imperfect and relief must be granted to those who feel the judicial branch acts in error. Because if you don't provide options to those governed, those governed rise up against government and chaos ensues. And that would be the opposite of the value in trying to create a more perfect union. Without options for redress of errant judicial decisions, we wouldn't have a union at all. So what was the solution? Add appellate processes to correct errant legal opinions and orders. Ensure the people elect lower court judges, like in Montana, at every level of the court system, judges are elected by the people of this great state. 
And you ensure that the legislature has the authority to change or amend laws deemed unconstitutional by the court. So in essence, the legislature always has a do-over, legislating as an option as long as the legislating doesn't violate the Constitution. And for the most egregious of judicial conduct, that which is unethical and in violation of the judicial canons, every state has a judicial commission that ultimately may remove a judge from office. And even then, the judge that's removed can appeal that decision. So lots of options when a person or an entity feels aggrieved by the actions of the judicial branch. And in Montana, if you think a city court judge screwed you over, you get to appeal to district court. And then if you think the district court screwed you over, you get to appeal to the Montana Supreme Court. And if you feel like the Montana Supreme Court screwed you over, you get to appeal to the United States Supreme Court. And if you get no relief there, you get to find a new judicial candidate and run him or her against the judge that you think screwed you over. And at the ballot box, replace the judge you don't like with a new judge. And even then, if you believe the judge you don't like was unethical, you can file a complaint with the Montana Judicial Commission. And of course, so long as your cause doesn't violate the Constitution, you can also ask the legislature to make a law to help your cause. Tons of options at the common Montanans' disposal to right the wrongs of the judiciary. But instead of righting the wrongs through rule of law, the process laid out by our state and federal constitution, the authoritarians in Montana are choosing simply to disobey court orders and defame the entire judiciary, even the good judges, in order to cause the judiciary to yield to the authoritarians among us. And the authoritarians are recruiting judicial candidates who express fealty to them. And once that pledge of fealty occurs, the authoritarians go full court press in funneling money and endorsements behind that candidate. And for those issues where they don't have a quick fix available, well, the authoritarians just simply ignore court orders and publicly undermine this branch of government and thereby undermine the Constitution. This is blatant authoritarianism. It has no reflection of the Republican platform. It defies rule of law. And it is antithetical to the oaths these elected officials took to uphold Montana's constitution. And I have some familiarity with feeling aggrieved by a judge's decision. I've been practicing law in Montana since 2001. And in my 20 years of experience, I can tell you that I have encountered judges unfit for the job, too dumb for the job. I have taken an issue to the Montana Supreme Court over what I viewed was blatant judicial incompetence for failing to follow the rules of evidence. And I won. I have also encountered judges that made me a better lawyer. I have encountered judges who spent sleepless nights tossing and turning over decisions they didn't want to make, but the Constitution and rule of law required them to make. I have clerked for a judge, a judge who was brilliant and kind and who forgave my ineptitude. But that judge saw something in me that I didn't know I had, and he mentored me for years, even after I left his employment. As a young lawyer, I made many mistakes in the courtroom, nearly causing my own mistrial because I let my passion overtake my professionalism. And I was swiftly put in my place by a very competent judge that never lost his cool until, of course, I lost mine. I have been hired by judges to represent them when they were in trouble with the Judicial Commission and had complaints filed against them. 
And I am familiar with the functionality and the role of the Judicial Commission, as I am one of very few lawyers in Montana to have actually tried a Judicial Commission case. And I believe I am still the only female lawyer to have ever taken a Judicial Commission case to trial. So for all of the current grievances against the judicial branch, I have some experience on both ends of the spectrum and all levels of redress for perceived wrongs committed by the judiciary. So when I tell you that the current modus operandi by authoritarians in state government of publicly defying court orders and publicly undermining faith in the entire judicial branch harms Montana, I come by that opinion based upon experience and connecting the dots. As David Sekar explains, More than any other branch of government, the judiciary is built on a foundation of public faith. Judges do not command armies or police forces. They do not have the power or the purse to fund initiatives, and they do not pass legislation. Instead, they make rulings on the law, rulings that the people must believe came from competent, lawful, and independent judicial officers. At what point is a judge's ruling so far afield of precedent and legal code or such an egregious violation of fundamental rights that it appears the judge is acting with impunity towards the law? Generally, the decisions of a judge should be left for judicial review, not for critique by a conduct commission. However, incidents where people are jailed without due process, judges inventing improper remedies for cases or a breakdown in the rule of law, can rise to the level of judicial misconduct. Regulating that type of behavior without violating separation of powers or decision-making independence becomes a walk on the edge of a knife. Implementing a meaningful way for the public to be protected from judicial misconduct is vital. There has to be review. Furthermore, it must be done with minimal risk of unlawful intervention by forces trying to prevent unpopular but correct rulings on the law. While the majority of judges serve with honor, ethical missteps should be corrected, and major breaches of trust should be acknowledged, end quote. And this is why we have so many levels of judicial review or appeals, why we allow the public to vote for judges in Montana and replace them with their vote if they believe a judge is not fit for the office, and ultimately why we have a judicial commission that monitors the ethical conduct of judges. Because judges can make mistakes. Judges can be unethical. But we cannot, in the face of perceived judicial grievances, swing towards simply ignoring the rule of law, ignoring judicial orders, or worse, openly defying judicial orders and as lawyers openly undermining public confidence in the judiciary. To quote former United States President Theodore Roosevelt, No man is above the law, and no man is below it. Nor do we ask any man's permission when we ask him to obey it. Obedience to the law is demanded as a right, not asked as a favor, end quote. So let's review the authoritarian acts recently committed in Montana. Quote, just hours after a Montana judge blocked health officials from enforcing a state rule that would prevent transgender people from changing the gender on their birth certificate, the Republican-run state on Thursday said it would defy the order. District Court Judge Michael Moses chided attorneys for the state during a hearing in Billings for circumventing his April order that temporarily blocked a 2021 Montana law 
that made it harder to change birth certificates. Moses said there was no question that state officials violated his earlier order by creating the new rule. Moses said his order reinstates a 2017 Department of Public Health and Human Services rule that allowed people to update their gender on their birth certificate by filing an affidavit with the department. However, the state said it would disregard the ruling. Quote, the department thoroughly evaluated the judge's vague April 2022 decision and crafted our final rule to be consistent with the decision. It's unfortunate that the judge's ruling today does not square with his vague April decision, said Charlie Brereton, director of the Department of Health and Human Services. Brereton said the agency was keeping the rule it issued last week in place, and an agency spokesperson said the department is waiting to see the judge's written order before considering its next steps. ACLU attorney Melita Picasso expressed dismay with the agency's stance and said officials should immediately start processing requests for birth certificate changes. Quote, it's shocking that after this morning's hearing, the department would allege there was any lack of clarity in the court's ruling from the bench, Picasso said. It was very clear that Judge Moses expressly required a reversion to the 2017 policy and anything short of that is a continued flagrant violation of the court's order, end quote. Such open defiance of judge's order is very unusual from a government agency, said Carl Tobias, a former University of Montana Law School professor now at the University of Richmond. When officials disagree with a ruling, the typical response is to appeal to a higher court, he said. Quote, appeal is what you contemplate, not that you can nullify a judge's orders. Otherwise, people just wouldn't obey the law, Tobias said. The system can't work that way, end quote. The move could leave state officials open to contempt of court charges, which in some cases can lead to jail time for offenders, Tobias said. He added that the attorneys representing the state were likely aware of the potential consequences, but were caught in the middle between a recalcitrant agency and the judge. The Montana law said people had to have a, quote, surgical procedure, end quote, before they could change the sex listed on their birth certificate, something Moses found to be unconstitutional because it did not specify what type of procedure was required. Governor Greg Gianforte's administration then created a new rule that blocked changes to birth certificates entirely unless there was a clerical error. So here's what you have, folks. Judge Moses, who's been around for a long time, is looking at this law and he says, OK, so you can't change your birth certificate until you have a surgical procedure. But what is that surgical procedure? If you say, well, I had carpal tunnel, I'd like to change the gender on my birth certificate. Well, does that work or doesn't it? That's too vague. So what's the surgical procedure? Can I get a breast augmentation and not change my hoodily? Like, what is it? If you're not specific, if the legislature isn't specific, they have a do-over. And so it's not saying that the legislature is barred from doing anything else. This next legislative session, they can clarify that if they want. They can figure out what surgical procedures qualify that allow you to change your gender on your birth certificate. That's all he's saying. But he's saying, because right now we haven't had trial on this, I'm going to put 
The 2017 rule is in place. Well, what happened was the Gianforte administration just decided to make the rules themselves, which is actually a blatant violation of the National Republican platform, because what we want to get away from is the executive branch legislating, which is exactly what the Gianforte administration has done. And so the judge is saying, hey, I told you 2017 applies until we run this new law through the entire process. But on its face, it looks unconstitutionally vague. And it does. If you don't define that surgical procedure that allows you to change your gender on your birth certificate, you're out. That's just the rules. But that doesn't mean you're out and the issue stops. It means go back to the legislature and fix it. That's fine. Do that. And of course, This would be shocking that you would publicly defy a court's order. That would be shocking if it was 2018, maybe. But no one is surprised that this administration willfully and openly defies the judiciary. Indeed, honoring the rule of law is not a principle of this administration. For this administration to refer to itself as Republican or conservative is Absolutely laughable as the primary principle of the Republican Party and the principle that drew both Mickey and I to the Republican Party is respect for rule of law. No one is surprised at this open authoritarian defiance because this administration, which this is rich, folks, is cloaked with a lieutenant governor that's a lawyer. But yet this administration has violated Montana law on the Republican platform time and time again. It began with Gianforte committing assault while he was campaigning for Congress, lying about the facts of the assault, pleading guilty then to the assault, and then never following through with his commitments to the victim that he made when he pled guilty. So it would follow that upon his election as governor, he would go full tilt in undermining the rule of law and the judicial branch of government, flanked by a turncoat lawyer who also openly expresses disdain for the judiciary, all the while hoping we will forget that she couldn't get elected herself because Montana voters deemed her unqualified to be a member of the Montana Supreme Court. And the entire administration of Montana is captivated by the authoritarian spell. The guy who has tried less cases than a third-year lawyer is our attorney general. He was catapulted to his position by pledges of reducing crime in Montana, and that pledge resonated with voters. But had he told us what his real plan was, what his real pledge is, that would have turned off Montanans. He should have been candid and told us that he would violate repeatedly those rules of professional responsibility that all of us Montana lawyers pledged to uphold for the sake of maintaining rule of law and professionalism. He should have told us that he would actually do nothing to reduce crime because those of us in the know know that most crime reduction is at the local level. And even when he was county attorney, he did nothing to reduce crime in his own county. He should have told us that he was a show horse and not a workhorse. He should have told us he simply doesn't have the legal acumen for the job. And most importantly, he should have told Republicans that he isn't a Republican. He's an authoritarian. Because then at least we would have been informed voters. So when he commits major blunders, Montanans feel duped. Here's a list of Attorney General Knutson's open defiance of Montana law, rule of law, and the rules of professional responsibility. And this is just some of the stuff, folks, because there's a long list. He sent the Montana Highway Patrol to the Helena Hospital to intimidate healthcare workers when he had zero authority to do so. He then said he was performing a Medicaid fraud investigation 
to cover up exceeding the bounds of his authority under Montana law. The investigation was baloney and nothing ever came of it. Why the press hasn't asked about the content and results of Knudsen's investigation is journalistic malpractice, but I digress. When the legislature sent a legally invalid subpoena to the Montana Supreme Court for its email records and the Montana Supreme Court declared the subpoena invalid because it clearly exceeded Montana law in its issuance, and I mean blatantly violated Montana law, any lawyer reading the statute for legislative subpoenas recognized immediately that the legislature has zero authority to subpoena documents. Knudsen then, of course, authorized his attorney staff to willfully violate the Supreme Court's order. And this is a kicker. Knudsen followed the Supreme Court's order with a letter to the judges on the Supreme Court on May 19th, 2021, condemning the Supreme Court, despite you know, the fact that they issued a ruling consistent with Montana law and in support of his attorney staff willfully defying its order. Willful defiance of a court order by an attorney is professional misconduct. And here are the rules that any passive observer of Knutson's actions recognize he violated. Preamble number six. A lawyer should demonstrate respect for the legal system and for those who serve it, including judges, other lawyers, and public officials. While it is a lawyer's duty, when necessary, to challenge the rectitude of official action, it is also a lawyer's duty to uphold legal process. Rule 8.2, Judicial and Legal Officials. A. A lawyer shall not make a statement that the lawyer knows to be false or with reckless disregard as to its truth or falsity concerning the qualifications or integrity of a judge. Rule 8.4, Misconduct. It is professional misconduct for a lawyer to a. Violate or attempt to violate the rules of professional conduct, knowingly assist or induce another to do so, or to do so through the acts of another. C. Engage in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation. D. Engage in conduct that is prejudicial to the administration of justice. Preamble 10. These principles include the lawyer's obligation to protect and pursue a client's legitimate interests within the bounds of the law while maintaining a professional, courteous, and civil attitude toward all persons involved in the legal system. Preamble 11. The legal profession is self-governing. Although other professions also have been granted powers of self-government, the legal profession is unique in this respect because of the close relationship between the profession and the processes of government and law enforcement. This connection is manifested in the fact that the ultimate authority over the legal profession is vested in the courts, end quote. So we discussed the legislature's horseshit subpoena and Knutson's legal antics following the issuance of that subpoena and then his own kind of independent legal antics in episodes 49, 54, 56, 57, and 58. Man, he's got a long list. So if you want, go there for a refresher on the absolute ineptitude of the legislative leadership and Knutson's office. And here's a cherry on top of all those antics, folks. After the legislature's midnight run forcing, without any legal authority whatsoever, the Department of Administration to collect over 5,000 judicial emails and disseminate them, well, when the court ordered return of those emails, 
Knutson just hung on to them in blatant violation of the court's order. I have no idea if he still has them, but he has no authority to retain them. Knutson is as bold a violator of Montana law and the professional rules of responsibility as the dude from the Oath Keepers that lived in Montana, that guy named Elmer Rhodes. That guy was ultimately disbarred from practicing law in Montana, and he's now sitting in the joint waiting for his trial over his participation in the January 6th insurrection. From the looks of it, Rhodes must be Knudsen's hero. And how did Rhodes get disbarred? Well, for blatantly defying the judiciary and the professional rules of responsibility, a court in Arizona issued an order and Rhodes blatantly defied it. So that judge filed a complaint with the Montana Commission on Practice. And here's what the order disbarring Rhodes said. Based upon his record, the commission concluded that respondent had twice violated rules 8.1b, Montana Rules of Professional Conduct, or MRPC, and Rule 8a-6, Montana Rules of Lawyer Disciplinary Enforcement, or MRLDE by his failure to respond to lawful demands for information from lawyer disciplinary authorities. Respondent also violated these rules for failing to appear as ordered before the commission to justify his failure to respond, which is prejudicial to the administration of justice, a violation of Rule 8.4D, MRPC. The commission reasoned that, although respondent's conduct does not involve conduct, that has historically been the basis of disbarment by this court. Respondent's refusal to cooperate in the disciplinary process constituted a knowing and intentional disregard of his obligations as an attorney, both to the profession and the public, and, therefore, he should forfeit the privilege of practicing law in Montana and be disbarred. The commission also recommended that respondent be assessed with the costs of these proceedings. End quote. Based upon Knudsen's open defiance of court orders, seems like the commission should or could cut and paste its order on Rhodes and apply it to Knudsen's conduct. And now we have Knudsen, the guy that clearly hates being told what to do by judges, openly endorsing a judicial candidate for the Montana Supreme Court. Why do you think he's endorsing Jim Brown for the Supreme Court? Did Brown pledge fealty to Knutson? What about Gianforte, Danes, and Rosendale pigpiling on their endorsements of Brown? What did Brown promise them? Any cop or judge that cuddles up to Greg Gianforte and Austin Knutson should be viewed with skepticism. Because you can't honor the rule of law, yet seek endorsements from people who willfully violate it. So either Brown is just a political hack and a climber begging for endorsements like good old Rosendale does, or he shares the Gianforte administration's and Knutson's disdain for rule of law, neither of which would qualify him for a position on the Supreme Court. And all of them forget, once again, our history and choose to trample upon the National Republican platform. And here's the irony, folks. The Republican platform expresses the following. Quote, the president defies the laws of the United States by refusing to enforce those with which he does not agree. The current administration has exceeded its constitutional authority, brazenly and flagrantly 
violated the separation of powers, sought to divide America into groups, and turn citizen against citizen. The president has refused to defend or enforce laws he does not like and directed regulatory agencies to overstep their statutory authority. He has changed what John Adams called, quote, a government of laws and not of men, end quote, into just the opposite. That passage applies lockstep with Knutson and Gianforte. Just replace the president with Knutson and Gianforte. And you know who the RNC was speaking of? Barack Obama. Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Consider sponsoring the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at MTValues. Find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.